Abolition. should be banned. Alabama, Tennessee, and Vermont voted to ban it. Oregon still counting votes. And Louisiana voted to keep it around for a while, for real. Slavery is a legal form of punishment for criminals in Louisiana. Remind me not to illegally cross the street. Remind me not to go there. (laughs) Pretty nuts that this was on the ballot, like along with legalizing vape juice, but it was. And the local Fox affiliate in Memphis, Tennessee posted a tweet I don't know what to inform or celebrate, I'm not sure, but it said, you decide, slavery banned. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the 1870s, everyone.
Abolition. You just heard Goody Mob with Free, and that was followed by Jimmy Kimmel speaking on the four states that were on the ballot that abolished slavery and Louisiana failing. And that was followed up by Beyonce, Lift Every Voice. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother uh, Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Company Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, for the last time broadcasting Abolition Today this year. It's just so unbelievable. So the journey, the 2022 journey for slavery abolition in the third season of Abolition Today has reached its amazing conclusion. In an epic and historic election, four out of five states overwhelmingly voted to abolish slavery from their state constitutions, including deep south states like uh, like Alabama and Tennessee. In concert with the Abolished Slavery National Network, the Freedom Five was a massive success. The only state to fail in passing its slavery abolition amendment was Louisiana. The state has now become the laughing stock of late-night talk shows, just like you just heard from Jimmy Kimball. People are being advised not to go to Louisiana as you may end up being enslaved. Everyone has serious questions. Well, why? Well, tonight we'll hear from the person who was solely responsible for this outcome, the sponsor of HB 298, Representative Edmund Jordan of Louisiana. In his own words, live on Abolition Today, Season 3 finale, we'll have an adult conversation and ask the hard questions in our Season 3 final episode. Of course, we'll bring it all together with amazing music presentations and the, bri- and the bridge, bridging the gap one final time for 2022 by bringing the ancestors' words back to life for a new generation. We'll be airing previous episodes during our ap- absence until our return on no- New Year's Day 2023. So before we jump into tonight's topic, Max, what a week, man. What, what a, a week, week, man. Uh, you know, it's they're making a lot of jokes on the uh, late-night talk shows about this. But I want to start with the good news. Um, let me read them off from uh, the least to the most. So the one that was the hardest to pass and did pass was Oregon. Uh, Oregon ended up passing their slavery abolition bill with 55.5% of the population voting yes. Which is a little scary, like they said in the uh, mm-hmm. the Terranoa skit, uh, because that means 44.5% of the people voted to keep slavery legal in Oregon, the white right. Uh Then the second one in that order would be Alabama, uh, which was a shocker for all of us. Alabama passed and abolished slavery with 74.7% of the people saying yes, but 25% said no, we want to keep it. Uh, 
The mm. next one, it would be Tennessee. Tennessee was kicking behind. They passed with 79.5% of the people in approval, over 1.2 million people, 1.3 million people. And yet, right. 20% said, no, I think we want to keep it just like it is. And the one at, in the lead that got the most votes would be Vermont. Vermont passed with 88.7% of the population saying, no, let's take it out of there, uh, the end of slavery. And Vermont is the grandfather of the exception clause. They're the ones who began it all. And overwhelmingly, right. they said, we want to be on the same train everybody else is on and end it. And yet, 11% voted to keep it. So there's 30,000 people in Vermont that's like, mm, I think I could use a slave or two. <laughs> you know? It's crazy, <laughs> right. man. It's crazy. Uh, I don't want to get too much into the, to, uh, a conversation early, but I did want to mention that we're still viral. Like, the whole world is talking about this thing, especially after four wins. Um, you know, we've seen articles coming out of China, out of India, Al Jazeera, BBC News. Uh, it's just on and on and on. And all across America, I don't think there's a publication that hasn't spoken about this or a television news pr- program that hasn't mentioned it at all uh, because it is worthy. It is worth, it's a, a, an epic thing that we have accomplished across the nation collectively, abolishing slavery in four more states, bringing us up to a grand total of eight states that have abolished slavery now with no exception. That is just so, so amazing yeah. just to hear that and <laughs> just thinking right. about that. Exactly. Well, um, I don't want to spend too much time. Like I said, let's go ahead and start by introducing our first guest tonight, which is uh, Representative Edmund Jordan. Yes. Yeah, so we're pleased to be rep- to uh, be joined by State Rep- Louisiana State Representative Edmund Jordan. He's the representative of District 29 in the Louisiana House of Representatives. He's the sponsor of HB 298, which became the proposed Amendment 7 in the Louisiana Constitution. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Representative Edmund Jordan. Sir, please welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, It's my pleasure to be here with you. Uh, Brother Jordan, indeed, it's, it's nice to hear you here tonight on Abolition Today. Um, we played a little bit of music in the beginning, something celebratory, uh, because even all of us uh, have something to celebrate. Uh, indeed, we did get this done in four out of five states, and I think that's worthy of anybody celebrating any, in any state. No, I think that's, that's a great accomplishment, and I applaud you for it. And I, I think I've, you know, I've told you that privately. So. Yes, and you were instrumental in helping that to come uh, about just by participating and putting that bill forward, HB 298. There was a, a lot of attention that was brought to the movement. Uh, we I remember we were published in, like, South Korea, and, and they were talking about it when we did the press conference together uh, down at the Capitol. No, no, no doubt. So uh, I guess let me make one quick correction. I heard your, your co-host. Uh, saying I was solely responsible, I think he's giving me a little bit too much credit um, for the for the reason why it didn't pass. But that being said, um, now nah, I, I you know I want to celebrate uh, with you guys and applaud you guys for your efforts. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it is a collective thing that we have accomplished here. Um, 
no one person was, would have ever been able to do this. No handful. It took a bunch of us across the country. Uh, there are so many questions out there, and you know, our audiences may be very educated on the topic, and abolitionist leaders all across the country who tune into our program for information and updates on the movement, uh, and we try to provide that. And some of the biggest questions that they have is how did this possibly happen? Why? You know, uh, we have spoken off air um, multiple times, and we kind of understand where the things went sideways, but the audience doesn't know. Um, so the first thing I would like to ask you is what made you decide um, that, and this was, I don't know, a few weeks after we got it uh, passed through committee, what made you decide that this was not something you thought we should pass? and suggest that people say no to it and that we bring it back again next year. What, what was it that made you decide that? All right. So, so let's, let's start from the, from the beginning of this year. Cause you know, we did something in 2021 and we, we had um, a good run, but it didn't, it did not get out of committee in 2021. And that was a bill that had no exceptions. And, and for those who are unfamiliar with the, the Louisiana Constitution as written, it says slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, except in the latter as a punishment for a crime. And so we, we wanted to try to just say slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, period, end of story. And so that was the original intent, and, and that remains my intent. Um, but that being said, uh, during the committee meeting, there was an amendment and concept that was done, and um, with that amendment, it it was it was so, so, sort of based on the Utah amendment, and we didn't have it in front of us. But nevertheless, we were able to 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 get it out of committee, and what it said in in in, in effect was nothing in it added a subsection two and it says nothing in in subsection one which says slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited uh would have an effect on otherwise lawful administration of criminal justice and when you look at that because the way our constitution is written versus uh utah and i i want to say tennessee and some of the other ones we had a slight restriction from the beginning. Slavery was prohibited, but not the involuntary servitude. Now, we can get into the, the debate of whether there's a difference between in, uh, slavery and involuntary servitude, and, and I, think I, would, I think we agree, Max, that there's, there's not much of any difference between the two. But, but that being said, even on its face, though, we had a prohibition on slavery, but not involuntary servitude. By adopting the language from Utah and making it mirror the, the Utah legislation, which allowed for slavery and involuntary servitude, we actually, in, in, in some people's opinion, uh, could have possibly expanded, include slavery under the lawful administration of, of, of criminal justice and not just involuntary servitude. So whether I agree with that or or, or you know, if you would agree with that or if you disagree with that, that was a potential uh, out. That could have been a potential outcome from the passing of this amendment. 
and we had a lot of people who called about that, and there was a lot of confusion, not just with that, but with the ballot language as well, which I think everybody agrees that the ballot language was confusing. Right. And so because of because of all that confusion, uh, and in context with the Dobbs decision, which which overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, I didn't want to be in a position where we had some ambiguous language that somebody could have taken to the Supreme Court and tried to take what we all agree is well-settled law, just like we agreed that Roe v. Wade was well-settled, and try to get that overturned for some type of expansion of slavery. And so while we all want, and everybody knows our intent is to restrict it, uh, there could have potentially been – a decision which could have expanded it, and I really just didn't want to take that risk. So that's where I would tell you, and and not just me, uh, had other colleagues and other constituents who called that didn't want to take that risk as well, and would and said, hey, look, let's try to dial this back. Let's make sure we get the language where it's clear and unambiguous, and that it's accomplishing exactly what we intended it to accomplish and exactly what we wanted to accomplish. So that's how we got to that decision. Thank you, uh, Representative Jordan. I have a couple of uh, musical and audio tracks uh, today that I want to play during our conversation. I hope you don't mind, but it's normally how we do the show, uh, put in some things that you know, will help you put a better understand. And one of those is the, uh, the moment in 2021 or 2022, when the Utah exception was presented um, to you. And I just want people to hear that. It's only a minute and a half long. Would you hold out for us? Yeah. All right. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parkes and Yusuf Hassan. Today, our guest is Representative Edmund Jordan of Louisiana. And this is the clip from Utah uh, being used as a model for Louisiana. Abolition, Abolition. Today. I looked at this, the the Utah Amendment, which I think passed last year. Right. And so they had similar language to what we have, and they and they struck it out of the Constitution. Uh, do you know what that vote passed with? They voted on it as a population. What do you think it passed with? You know what? I, 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 I'm assuming it was overwhelming, but what I will tell you is is my uh, our good friend, Sandra Hollins, who some of you may or may not know, is the representative, in fact, the only African-American representative in the state of Utah who is originally from New Orleans and whose mother lives in the Baton Rouge area, and she is responsible for that. But, but what was it? What so it was 80% number? favorable. Okay. Um, so uh, it's not, I mean, I think that not we're having a lot of heartburn over this, but yeah. if Utah can pass at 80%, it's probably not that controversial. It's not. I would just add one thing, is that they did include, when they passed that amendment and they struck through that language, they added a subsection two that says um, basically the subsection one, the language they struck out, it doesn't apply to otherwise lawful administration of the criminal justice system. So they added that as part of that constitutional limit. So my question would be, would you be amenable to adding that section and maybe that would a lot, you know, I, satisfy I, some of those concerns? I, I'd be amenable to that. So yeah, Miss Staff, I don't know if we can if we can add this, I can show you what it says and if we can add that as an amendment, I would like to offer that. Abolition. Abolition. I don't remember which representative was speaking. Maybe Representative Edmund Jordan can tell us. Yes, that uh, was but Richard that was the Nell. moment. That was Richard Nelson. Yeah, that was Richard okay. Nelson. Yes. Um, that was the moment it happened um, when they presented it. And I, I'm just curious. He said something about concerns 
do you know what those concerns were? Wait up, will you? Oh, so uh, sure. So, so part of the concern and and what we had, the problem we had in 2021, um, was that some folks were um, afraid that um, some folks were afraid that if we passed it without any exceptions. Um, that in fact it would it it might create a prohibition on whether someone would be forced to work at hard labor, and so Richard, as a as a compromise, looking at the Utah amendment, um, offered that up, and and like I said, I knew Sandra Hollins had had actually passed that bill in Utah but wasn't familiar exactly what the Utah Constitution said. Now, if I, w- I will tell you, it, was, it would have never been my intent to try to do anything that was going to expand uh, slavery or, or involuntary servitude. But that being said, I don't agree with the premise that if you said slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, um, I don't agree with the premise that that has anything necessarily to do with the portion of statutes of criminal statutes that deal with uh or without hard labor because when we talk about in Louisiana when we talk about with or without hard labor we're not necessarily talking about an act we're really talking about a place so when the statutes say that you can be sentenced with hard labor that means that you can be sentenced to the state penitentiary if it says without hard labor, that means you can't be sentenced to the state penitentiary. You cannot be sentenced to the state penitentiary, and then you have to go into uh, one of the parish jails. Or for us as parishes, for for the other state, the other 49 states, it would be county jail or whatever. So that really is what that means. Um so so I don't I don't agree with those who had that concern in the first place. About the uh, but, hard labor? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I think that I really think that's a that in a way could be a red herring, uh or or you know, we say red herring in the legal terms, or, or basically a false argument to um to try to to try to get us sidetracked or get us off the major goal. So I'm not, I, you know, I don't buy that anyway. It would be left up to the courts to determine what that means. Um, but, again, when we talk about with and without hard labor, it really means whether you can be, whether or not you can be sentenced to the, the uh, state penitentiary or versus parish jail. So, effectively, anyone who is in, say, Angola prison is sentenced to hard labor, uh, that entire Correct. population. And those who are in the parish jails are basically overflow and not sentenced to hard labor. Well, it, they're without, they're, without hard labor. Right. They're not uh, being sent to the prison. They're being sent to the parish, which is acting now as both a prison and a jail. Exactly. Because you do have, because, because of overflows, you can, and, and again, like I told you before, I don't know those numbers, but you can have. Uh, uh, prisoners housed in, in parish jails. Um, Representative Jordan, we had uh, have had some conversations, and I just want to be sure before I do this 
that you're okay with me bringing in uh, Brother Davis for uh, to join us in this conversation oh, uh, yeah, for a little while? Okay. With, well, with that being said, I want to bring in the director for Decarcerate Louisiana, uh, who was at the head of trying to get this thing passed, even beyond the point where uh, Representative Jordan had said, no, I don't want to do this. Let's do it again later. Uh, collectively made the decision on this side to continue the effort. So uh, with that being said, y'all all know I've been on the program multiple times. Brother Curtis Davis, welcome back to Action right. today. Hey, peace and love, family. How y'all doing tonight? Hey, peace, um, Curtis. We're feeling, right, good we're to hear feeling your very voice happy. <laughs> and we should be happy. Um, Max, we've made history in the United States of America. Um, four out of five is a win by any um, characterization mm-hmm. of any type of uh, thing that you're doing. Man, and when I think about the ultimate goal that we're trying to achieve, as to ultimately um, do away with the 13th Amendment of the federal constitution or the United States Constitution and implement the 28th Amendment, I'm just so proud of the progress we've been able to make, make in just such a small amount of time. And mm-hmm. we got to start right there for the people of Tennessee, people of um, Alabama, for the people of Oregon, and for the people of Vermont. I tilt my hat to you. I was born um, at a hospital called Confederate Hospital in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I have really never known anything except for um, a condition that um, the Confederate um, system put in place for us to live through in the state of Louisiana. So this is near and dear to my heart, the fact that um, we actually didn't um, achieve the goals that we set for ourselves. I've worked with um, the Honorable um, uh, Representative Edmund Jordan for the last two years now, and I believe him to be an honest person straight up. We're going to start right there. I believe that he done what he thought was fair. However, I continue to get calls from inside of the prison to say, Curtis, man, what are you? why are you stopping? Why are you slowing down? Why are you not fighting with everything that you have? Because this thing is not just about labor, Max. It's not just about labor, Representative Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's not just about labor, Yusuf. This thing is about living conditions. Right. Think about it. Once you're reduced to a status lower than your normal citizenship, you can be treated in ways that they can't be treated in Afghanistan, right? They have revised statutes in the state of Louisiana that determine whether or not you sentence to hard labor or not. Once you are duly convicted as punishment for a crime, they can make you lay on the floor in a Paris jail. They can give you a half a roll of toilet paper a week. That's substantial, and that's enough for you. They can give you a limited amount of menstrual um, pads and tampons. Um, when you're laying in a bed to give birth to your child, you have to be chained to that bed. That is a life below the level of human decency. And that is what Decarcerate Louisiana has been fighting for. We believe, in our opinion and the opinion of the experts that we sought out, that if we could take away the slavery exception clause language, slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited with a period at the end. The subsection 2 that says that subsection 1 would not apply to the otherwise, meaning that the first two things will become unlawful, 
the otherwise lawful administration of the criminal justice system could continue, but then we would be able to argue as to what is lawful now that they're not slaves or involuntary servants. We believe that we had an opportunity to take one step forward. And my colleague, my sponsor, we disagreed a little bit on whether or not we could um, benefit from that because some people with a lot of academic credibility did tell him that they believed that it was a step backwards. And I think that as a um, as a real man, and because um, he worked on an unanimous verdict, he worked with us with um, the Ronald Green situation, and he's a, a respected member of the um, Louisiana Black Caucus. I have to defer that he thought that he was doing what was the best for his constituents. He told me he wanted to bring it next year. He told me, you have my word, Curtis, that we'll bring it next year. However, I do still have a responsibility to my um, my constituents, the brothers that are living under the conditions, and I believe that we had a win and we lost it when my brother um, Emmett Jordan gave political cover to people that would want to say no to this. Uh, I, I, before I, I give Representative Jordan a, a chance to follow up on that, I would also like to say that the Abolish Slavery National Network also felt that we were secure in what we had already there, and if there was some ambiguity, uh, as Edmund Jordan said, we could work on that in the next year, but we would have this first steps forward with that period at the end meant everything in the world. Uh, I think that's where most of the, the breakdown happened, and we started dividing the voters of the state um, with the, the communication broke down at that point. Um, where we really weren't involved in the final conversation about where to go next. Uh, Edmund Jordan, would you like to say anything in regard to that? Sure, absolutely. So let me let me start by saying that I don't I don't necessarily uh, disagree with what some of Curtis said. Uh, let me just make sure that I'm clear on this though. When I when I started talking about the with or without hard labor. Uh, that really wasn't addressing the conditions that folks were living in. That was a response to Max's question as to what were some of the concerns of some of the legislators and what the amendment was supposed to alleviate some of those concerns. So I want to be very clear on that Um, because those conditions that you speak of, I think all of us agree are unfair and should be abolished. So I want to, I want to make sure that, that that's not missed. Um, that being said, though, what I will say is I understand everything that Curtis has said. I've had these comments in depth, I mean, and, and Max, will, I think, will vouch for this. We've had hours and hours upon hours of multiple conversations <laughs> about this. Yep. And so um, we have a a legitimate difference of opinion. Uh I am not here to say that the position of Curtis and Max is illegitimate, and I hope they're not here to say that my position is illegitimate. I think we have a difference of opinion, and I will tell you this. In my opinion, had it passed as written, uh, although I had already said I was going to go back and try to amend it next year to straighten out this language, I think it would have been much more difficult for me to do that because I don't think the people who are opponents of getting rid of uh, slavery and involuntary servitude, I 
I don't think that I because this is one thing I, I really want to clear up. I don't think I gave them cover. I think had this passed, I think the passing of this legislation would have given them cover, not to come back and do anything next year to correct it. I think that's where the real cover would have been. And so what what I'm trying to do is make sure that we get it right and that we uh, we pass exactly what we're intending to pass. And I will tell you, you have some of those same people on record right now. Instead of me giving them cover, they're on record saying as well that we need to go back and try to get this language straight. So if they don't do it, um, then we can hold them accountable on that. Yes. Um, I remember one of the biggest concerns came from Representative Seabob, and he said very clearly, uh, I actually have it on, on uh, a clip here, but I'm not going to play it. We'll just talk about it uh, for time's sake. But he said very clearly his biggest concern was that every felony in the state could be challenged because of the removal of involuntary servitude, which would effectively translate into forced labor. And Louisiana is, is one of only a couple of states that I'm aware of, the other being Arkansas, that actually sentences people to hard labor and has been doing that for decades. And that's a place, as you mentioned earlier, whether or not you go to Angola or to a parish, for example. But nonetheless, it's only those two states that have been doing it. And they were very concerned. He said, that is not a can of worms that we're willing to open up. Um, am I correct in that, Representative Jordan? Yeah, look, look. I think I think you're fairly correct on that, and and I will I will add to it. I think he, he the, not last year, but the year before, uh, he he said he thought it was a, a dangerous piece of legislation. So, look, I'm not I'm not giving him a, a, a pass on this at all. Um, I understand, you know, where he is on some of this. But just because he and I may have necessarily come out on the same side of interpreting the statute doesn't mean that we're necessarily on the same side of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, And so I want to be clear about that, that, um, you know, by, by us taking a step back, I think we are doing the right thing. And Curtis, just to follow up on some of the other stuff that he said, and he said a lot in his, in his first statement, but Curtis and I had this conversation after it failed in 21. And for strategic reasons, you know, I talked to him about trying to delay it and not bring it this year and bring it next year. And part of that was to build more alliances, to build a broader coalition that we could have worked with to get people to come to the table in support of this legislation. Uh, Max, as you're aware, uh, 2021 and 2022, for that matter, we had very few people that actually came to the table and supported this legislation. I can tell you this, by the amount of attention it received and not being one of the five, it has it has brought a, a, uh, a great number of allies to the table who have reached out to me that have promised and committed to bring resources, more resources, to try to get this right and get it passed. So when, I think we all we lose, we win. Say, I'm sorry? I said even when we lose, we win. Well, absolutely. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this. I just think, I think um, for 2023, we will, we will have so many allies at the table that have committed so far. And if they follow through on their commitments, 
um, I think we may get more in 23 than what we had in 22. All right. Uh, Brother Curtis, would you like to say anything? Oh, definitely. Um, And in a lot of what Representative Jordan just said, I do agree. Um, This is not an opportunity for us to devolve into, um, I want to say, finger pointing, um, because at the end of the day, this brother is um, a, a lawyer. He's a representative in the House of Representatives of the state of Louisiana. And in order to do what we need to do to correct the conditions that our people are living in, we have to find a way forward. So I'm not about um, I'm not the author of chaos. I am the executive director of Decarcerate Louisiana. My biggest point, um, Representative Jordan, is that I have a lot of volunteers and people who were working and very passionate about what they were doing, and they believed in what they were doing, and they put their blood, sweat, and tears in it before any coalition helped us to get to 508,000 votes, any coalition. And these brothers and sisters who worked with us, I mean, our morale is only so thick to where we can keep moving forward. I just want to be able to show them that their work was not in vain. I want to show the 508,000 voters who voted yes on the proposal of Amendment 7 that we heard their calls, that we heard their moms, their cousins, their friends, everybody who, who put it online and said, this is how I'm going to vote. And I think that they... Um, because of the ballot question, for one, that they didn't, uh, a lot of people didn't understand what we were voting on. And to me, that's a form of voter suppression. We can go back into time and show how um, reading cards and stuff was used in the, uh, after Reconstruction to make sure people couldn't vote. Nevertheless, these brothers in the Power Coalition and the People's Promise and Black Voters Matter and even vote and step up Louisiana and um, – Evolve uh, Louisiana, the people from um, Preach, the people from Louisiana Progress, they have they, they believed in what we were doing, and I don't want them to become cynical or apathetic about our chances for the future because it seems like just the old way of politics. So could you speak to that so that my people can understand what it would mean even if we went forward? And well, let, me, without, let me say this. Go ahead. Yeah, let me let me let me start by saying that. So certainly don't want to marginalize the folks who have volunteered and put their blood, sweat, and tears into this. And just because new people come to the table doesn't mean you should forget about the old people who who were there from the very beginning. Um, so so let's I, you know I don't want in any way to seem like we're marginalizing the, the work and the efforts of everyone who has uh, to uh, not only start this movement but to keep it going. Um, and so I'm not not trying to do that at all. But what I will tell you is this: I think the more people that we come, that we have come to the table, the more people that we can have that comes and and not just and I say come to the table. You know, here's here's part of the deal. Everybody can show up when it when the bill is being heard in committee, and that's great. And and I welcome each and every one that that wants to do that. But you know. A lot of these bills are decided before anyone comes to the table. And so we need to, to, to lobby within the process the people that are on that committee. 
and other legislators when it goes to the floor. And the same thing on the Senate side as well. So, um, you know, we need to, to be more engaged and understand the process. And what I will tell you is this, I'm committed to whether it is on this call tonight or whether it's a subsequent call when you restart the show or whether it's something else on offline um, to helping people understand and get engaged in the process. Uh, I'm committed to doing that. So I, I can tell you right now, uh, you know, Tuesday was election Wednesday. I started making calls and working on this bill uh, as we move forward. Now session starts April 10th. And it ends sometime in June. I don't know. I think it's June 6th or whatever. I'm not sure uh, what day it ends. But I can tell you um, between now and April 10th, uh, I'm going to dedicate a lot of time and effort um, to this bill, not only with the drafting, because I think the drafting of it is simple. We know what we want. Um, That's not the hard part. But it's to create the narrative. It's to create uh, the story behind it. It's to talk to my fellow colleagues to make them understand. It's to get other allies on board. And uh, and I don't want to name some of the, the potential allies I'm thinking about, but I can tell you it would be a broad coalition and people that you would not expect to support this bill that I think we can get them to come in and support as well. And, again, that's not to diminish the folks who are already fighting and uh, and part of the movement. But I think if we can get some diversity of thought, uh, of traditional, which you traditionally think of, of people that might be on opposite sides of the spectrum, if we can get them involved in this, um, I think we'll beat the numbers that even Tennessee and Alabama put up next year. I was saying that earlier that we possibly could have gotten 90 percent. Uh, we still can get 90 percent in 2022 because now we don't have to go through the massive educational process with the voters that we had to go through originally because we knew coming into this less than 20% of the people were aware that there was even exceptions in these state constitutions. But now with all of this media talking about it, uh, I would say that number is up closer to 50%, if not more. So that is definitely beneficial. And there was a couple of things I really think were the key confusion points. The first one hit us like a ton of bricks the moment we saw it, and that was the ballot question itself. Remember, we're trying to remove an exception clause, and then the ballot question says, do you support an amendment to prohibit the use of involuntary servitude except as it applies to the otherwise lawful administration of criminal justice? And that right there, with no period at the end of it, you know, to say that it had been abolished and to add an exception made everybody feel like they were kind of defeating themselves. And we asked to change that because we felt it didn't uh, adequately adequately represent what was actually in the amendment, but we couldn't get it changed. And that was the first point of confusion that scared a lot of abolitionists. The moment they see accept, they're like, oh, hold on for a minute. We're trying to get one and you're giving us one? But that was only on the ballot language. It had nothing, it didn't reflect what was in the actual amendment. And then the other part, which was uh, led to you eventually saying, you know, I I would rather not support the bill at all, is the Section 2, I believe, uh, uh, where it said effectively the same thing, 
but not as an except for. It had the period in the first part where it declared slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, period. And then Section 2 says does not, just like it did in Utah. And that was the other area of confusion. Uh, am I correct, gentlemen? Yes. Uh, any comments on that, those two points of confusion? And then after that, I wouldn't mind sharing a little clip that I have that uh, kind of expresses those things through various two or three media sources that had three different ideas of what we were doing. So comments? I'll defer to Curtis first. All right. Um, Definitely. Of course, it it was a confusing bill. Um, Most of the people on my team believe that the confusion was um, deliberate. And that that is the issue um, with um, valid language across the board. Nobody actually knows what they're voting for. So we have to make um, sure that anything that we do, and as far as any um, amendment or bill is concerned that the the citizens are voting on, are something that the citizens can understand. And the rule of law, and um, Representative Jordan can um, probably attest to this, when you're going through court, if you don't understand the sentencing that they're giving you, they basically ask you, um, did anybody tell you to, to do this? Um, do you understand what you're doing today? They try to make it explicitly clear because if they don't, you can appeal your sentence based on what's called an unintelligent or unknowledgeable plea agreement. If you vote a certain way and you're not made to really understand what you're voting on, this is an unintelligent act or this is an unknowing act. And there is um, a big difference in those things to really know what you're doing and to have somebody trick you to not understanding what you're actually into. And one more thing before I turn it over to Representative Jordan. Most people don't understand one fact about the state of Louisiana that is very, very pertinent to the advancement of any type of legislation that we're going to ever infinitum, and that is that Louisiana does not practice common law. This is not a common law type of place. This is more ecclesiastical, Napoleonic law that deals with traditions and almost whatever they want to do around the state. They have no stare decisis for those of y'all that know a little Latin about the law. And so we have to deal with it in the context of the state that we live in. And every other state doesn't apply the same way. Representative Jordan? So let me, let me, let me uh, address a couple of things. Let's start with the last part. So um, we, are, we do follow the Napoleonic Code. We are a civil law state. Um, slightly, though, I, I, I'll tell you a slight disagreement. It's not, we don't necessarily have what we call steroid decisions, which, which is based on precedent. We have something called jurisprudence constant which is a, a French version of that, but they are very similar from that perspective. So I don't want to mislead folks and say that we don't have, uh, we don't use a precedent, but, but the difference is precedent for precedent, one case itself. So you can have one case, and when that case says, uh, then you, you follow that. Uh, Jurisprudence Constant really deals with a collection of cases. So it may not be one case. But that could be a collection of cases that 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 uh, sort of create an overall theme or overall legal uh, 
theory that one can follow. So uh, holding of the case or a collection of cases. So, so that's a little bit different. Now, um, as to the legislative portion of it, I'll tell you this. I don't think, um, and, I, and I can understand where people would be cynical to think that this was done intentionally. Uh, I would tell you this is, I don't think it was done intentionally because we, we have a pretty good legislative staff. Um, I think the problem was with some amendments, amendments are brought and you you will know that an amendment may be coming on your bill or a potential proposed amendment might be uh, coming on your bill uh, sometime days and even weeks ahead of time. And you get a, a uh, an opportunity to read it, to go over it with staff, to make sure that it does exactly what you're intending it to do. That wasn't the case here. And, and let me also say Richard Nelson, um, Nelson is, is, is someone that I would consider an ally in this movement. I think Nelson was really trying to be helpful to try to get this, this bill passed, and I, at least out of committee. Um, but because we were doing it somewhat on the fly, I think where the issue came, came about, and I think it was, it was uh, totally unintentional. I think it was, I think it was the, us going through that process, uh, taking an, an oral amendment versus having the, having the time to sit down and read it uh, because he was basing it on what he read in, in Utah and us not comparing what Utah's amendment looked like prior to their amendment versus what ours looked like because they weren't identical. So when you put that amendment on to make them identical, I think it changed. And again, it could, could be made to say that it broadened uh, rather than restricted the effects of, of slavery and involuntary servitude. So, um, but, but that being said, look, let, you know, we can, I, I'm, I'm here to talk as much about the past and what we, you know, what we didn't do and, and why the communication broke down. I'm here to answer any questions. I'm here to be held accountable, whatever that takes. Cause if I didn't want to be, I wouldn't be here on the, on the conversation to begin with, but, um, I do at least want to talk a little bit more at some point of how we move forward and what this looks like and what our potential for victory is. You, you can actually read my mind. Uh, that was my agenda. Was after this here, Yusuf said he has a question, and then I want to give you an opportunity to tell us what the future looks like uh, in this instance with this amendment. Uh, so, Yusuf, you want to ask a question you said? Yeah, and I mean, that was pretty much going to be my question. How do we move forward? Uh, certain obstacles we're going to have going forward. I mean, one, you know, you already have opponents to the legislation, and now they have this arsenal of saying we went to the ballot and more than two-thirds of the population voted against it. So uh, you're going to have to overcome that. And then how also are you going to prevent language that's not in the bill actually ending up on the ballot like it did this time? I don't understand how that even happened, how the bill, the language is very clear. The language that was on the ballot was not very clear. How did that transition happen? And then also how do we prevent that as well? All right, no problem. So, look, you said I would have had, had – let me say this to you. Your first question uh, definitely is a good question, but let me tell you why. And this goes back to what I was saying 
uh, with Curtis of why I don't believe I gave them any cover. Because usually if a bill goes before the people and the people uh, reject it, easy for the opponents to come back and say, hey, look, you know what, we brought this before the public. The public said they didn't want it. You know what, why bring it back? Um, in this case, it's just the opposite. You know, with me being the author of the bill asking people to reject it, they can't say that, hey, look, two-thirds of the people, we bought this before the people, fair and square, and then they rejected it. We've already laid out the premise that the language was confusing, so much so that the author of the bill asked you to vote it down. So that takes that argument away altogether. Because I can come back and say, hey, look, you know what, had I supported this in this in the, in, in that form, uh, yeah, you know what, potentially it would have passed. It could have failed, but we, we, didn't, we didn't get to that point. So the, the, the facts are the facts, and so we can't change that. So I think, I think the, the, the fact that I went and, and went out against it early on is a positive for us as it relates to your first question. Um, to the second, re, tell me the second one again, because I want to make sure I'm answering specifically what you did ask. So we're trying to figure out what caused that transition from the bill language oh, to so the, the ballot bill, the language and how we're going to prevent that. No, 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 no problem. So how are we going to prevent it? So what, what happened was when they did the, the bill language, they also included the ballot language within the statute. So the Secretary of State takes that language and they put it directly on the ballot. So whatever that language is, and again, that language was done on the fly as well. And so the way you prevent that is to make sure that we have multiple versions of the bill, frankly. We're going to have the, 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 the easy version that's going to say uh, slavery and voluntary servitude or prohibited, period no section two, none of that other stuff. And then um, with with Max, with Curtis, myself, with other legal scholars, we can say under that version exactly how we want the ballot language to read. And then if we have to come back with a section two to make sure that whatever that is, that it's, which is not what I want, let me just be clear on that. But if we did something like that, that is some language that's clear and unambiguous, does exactly what we intended to do, and we create ballot language for that scenario as well. And then one of those versions ultimately is what we go with. And so because we create the language, we create the way the ballot should read, we avoid that in the future. And we've got, I mean, we can do this. We have way more than enough time to do that. Um, we can get that done probably by the end of February, disseminate that, let everybody take a look at it, any corrections that need to be made, any tightening up of the language, anything else that, you know, we need to do with it, we can do that uh, before I have to file it in March. And then when we come in in April, it's it's ready to roll. Uh, thank you, Representative Jordan. Uh, I know we agreed that you would stay with us for the first hour. So I do have one more question, and I want to give you an opportunity to Describe to us what you see for 2023. My question is, and forgive me to say it like this, but how in the hell did Ben and Jerry end up all up in your business? (laughs) 
Uh, I'm trying to understand <laughs> what Ben and Jerry had the hell to do with the Louisiana Constitution and the voting process. Do you know anything about that? Because they put out a whole no, ad on it and everything. I have, I have no idea. You, you talking about the actual ice cream folks, Ben and Jerry? Yeah, they put oh, an yeah. ad out. Yeah, and paid good money for this big ass ad to say vote no on seven in Louisiana. I have, I, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea and did not know that Jerry was involved until you just told me that at 656 wow. uh, Central Time. But I will <laughs> tell you, if, 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 if they were involved, then I, whoever was responsible, I'll get back to Ben and Jerry and make sure that they say vote yes in 23. So um, we'll have to find it out. I don't know. I mean, if somebody would send me that, I, I'd be uh, I'd be more than uh, more than curious now to, to to find out how that how that took place. Uh, it was I, weird because, it. yeah, I was going to say it was weird because at the very same time, Ben and Jerry's is headquartered in Vermont, and Vermont had Proposition Two on the ballot, which they supported up there. I, I have no idea, guys. I, I would tell you, I have. Let me just say this: I have no connections to Ben and Jerry. I I don't know if Ben and Jerry even know who I am. Um, but uh, no, they mentioned you. They I actually don't. used your statement or a statement from you from the original thing that you said as the reason for that. That even the sponsor said no. Yeah, you did, I, I'm gonna send it to you right now via email. <laughs> And look, yeah, I don't know. And look, if you need me to stay a little longer, I mean, I, I can I can commit to stay a little bit longer if there's anything else that you want to cover. But um, but I, on that, I really don't know. Um, I can tell you, um, we had several people uh, that reached out for a comment, but because of uh, commitments that I made to to Curtis uh, in discussing my uh, my position, I, you know, I told them that I was not going to do any video. Or audio with the people, and and even you know whether it would be whether it was CNN or the BBC or even the local news stations, you know when they wanted to use my voice or ask me to go on camera, I refused that. And in fact, this is the first time um, that anybody is actually hearing me, hearing my actual voice in discussing this, and not just reading it in print. I appreciate that exclusivity, uh, Representative George. That's an honor right there. Thank you very much. Uh, and look, right. in my conversation with Max, I will say, and I told Max, and Max I know initially was unaware that I had made that commitment, but when uh, when he and I talked about that, he, he, asked, he said, well, look, and this was before any, either of us knew the decision. He said, well, regardless of the decision, uh, would you come on our show? I said, regardless of the decision, mm-hmm. I said, I'll be there. And you're here. Absolutely. Um Brother Curtis, would you like to say anything before we hear uh, final comments from uh, Representative Jordan? The number one? Yes, um, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, putting my daughter to sleep. We still have to live our real lives. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Representative Jordan, for um, being, you know, real enough to come on the show. I know you didn't have to come and talk about any of these issues. Um Oh man, it's just we just so hurt by uh by by what happened. It, that that it's a lot of passion going around um about what happened. So we just got to continue to try to work together to go forward to see what the Black Caucus was thinking about, what the 
House Democratic Party is thinking about with the social justice network in the state of Louisiana and broader are willing to do to help us with this cause. Um, and I want you to commit that you will make sure that you're not trying to replace my team, um, replace my people who have fought for the last three years to get this passed, only to bring in new people that don't have the same passion as we have about what we're doing. No, and look, Curtis, I think you know this. You and I were talking, and and I think you will attest that that I told you even even before we even got this, before this even came out of committee, to to try to advise you of not letting someone usurp the work that you you know try to hijack the work that you and your guys were doing. So, um, you so and with that being said, yeah. So that's so true. so we. We wouldn't, you know. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't even dream of of doing that, um, at all. So I just, you know, look. So we we have a big opportunity right now, uh, Representative Jordan. I just want to say that before you might leave, this is bigger than anything that's happening in the world right now, and this is going to be a sexy issue to be on the um on the ballot or even going through legislation. So a lot of people are going to be trying to be predatory over historical issues that they had nothing to do with. Oh, absolutely. So, look, and let me say this to you, and, and, and I want to address this. Um, don't think that that the, 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 the pain and the hurt and all of that is lost upon me. So I, I, I understand uh, folks being upset with me, and I can understand that. And, and, and if, if, if I could take that pain away from them, I, I would. Um, but I don't. Here's here's what I would say to those that are that are, are disappointed in me. Uh, I take that to heart. Uh, I would I would hope that you don't question my my heart or my head on this. I would hope that you would you would chalk it up as to a a legitimate as we started off earlier a legitimate difference of opinion. We disagreed on on how we should have moved forward on this 2022 version of this bill. But by no means is that lost upon me. And I will tell you, it only motivates me to fight harder and to make sure that we get this right. Um, For those who know my legislative history, know for the things that I stand for, know that I am committed to to making sure we get this corrected. And so, you know what, could I have done some, could we have had some better communication on both sides? I'll I'll take full ownership of that. Uh, Communication could have been better, and, you know, maybe we would have charted a different path on the way we handled this. But um, as far as I'm concerned, you know what, we can't change the past. We can only move forward in the future. And, uh, And I'm committed to making sure we get this right, get this passed. And, and making sure that Louisiana uh, has the best version of of this clause in the nation. It sounds like you've uh, already gave us your vision of what's happening next. <laughs> Was there more you wanted to add to it? Not, not really uh, anything else. I just want to applaud the work, Max, that you're doing on the national level. I know you know you 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 got to deal with more than just Louisiana. While you know I I've got to basically be concerned with with what happens in Louisiana. Yeah. So um, so I I appreciate the way that you go about conducting your business, um, Curtis. 
you know what? We're going to work together. You know, uh, we're going to be great partners in, in making sure that this that this works. Um, we're both going to do a better uh, job. Uh, well, let me not. Let me say this. Let me take my ownership. I'm certainly going to do a better job of of, of making sure that Max and yourself and others are involved in the loop and know what we're thinking as we go along the way uh, and as we move strategically and and getting this done. Um, so that is that is my commitment to you. Uh, if in any way I fall short on that commitment. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly asking, not just asking, I'm demanding that you hold me accountable for that. And and we talk that out and figure out how we move forward. Thank you very and much. And I want to say, bro, Go ahead, I appreciate uh, you um, for that. And I think that this is an example of how um, men can work together past disagreements because, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm emotional about it. And the fact that we can even sit in and talk like this is amazing. And it shows that, first of all, that I'm growing up and I'm learning from a diplomat. Because in the beginning, you did give me a lot of advice on how to get this bill to the people. I appreciate that advice. I know that you're an elder statesman in the community. I don't want anybody on the call or listening in the United States to think that I'm disparaging your legacy or what you're able to do as a black man sitting in the the House of Representatives of a major state. So know that. I appreciate you. But I will continue to disagree with you when I feel like you wronged us. And I think that that's a part of being um, American in the United States with the ability to hold you accountable and to hold every representative, senator, mayor, elected official in the country accountable Anytime the constituents feel that we didn't get what we came after, and I want you to be amenable to that. Oh, I'm look, I'm look. I told you from the very beginning. I'm I'm very amenable to that. But you know, I just don't want people. And let me just be clear. I don't want people putting out false motives uh, that have no basis in fact. As long as we can be truthful about the disagreement, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I'm gonna accept responsibility. But the the posts that were made um, on the decarcerate social media sites basically alluding to the fact that you might have done a corrupt thing in dealing with this issue. That is not our intention to disparage you, defame you, or slander you, because I understand that that's not the way that we should be conducting business. For that, I personally am responsible, and I apologize for it. I accept your apology. See, I, I feel like we should do a group hug or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, listen, before we do a group hug, there are 508,000 people that voted yes on seven. I think you may owe them an apology or something, uh, mm-hmm. Representative Jordan. Is there something that you would like to say to them? Because I know... I mean, I'm a human being, and if I was a person who didn't know anything about this and I came across seven and I voted yes on it and then, you know, my representative, you know, pushed everyone to vote no, I'm going to feel some type of way. And what can you tell me to make me trust you the next time around? Because I would feel betrayed. 
So what would you well, tell that 508,000 people? So, so here's, here's what I would say to that. And, 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 you know, I would understand, I can understand their position. Um, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to, to parse hairs or, or do something uh, different than that. I would tell you that communication could have been better. And for that, I would apologize. But for me, on my position, mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't apologize for that because I feel that it's, it was the right position to take. If I didn't think it was the right position to take, I wouldn't have taken mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, what I would tell to those people, go look at my legislative history. Go look at what I have done in the past. Go look at who's been fighting to hold police accountable. Go look at who's been the main person that uh, has been dealing with state police and the death of Ronald Green, an African-American in North Louisiana that died at the hands of state police, that got, go look at who got the state policeman in, in, in questioning to say that Ronald Green was murdered and tortured. You know, go look at uh, the unanimous jury bill in Louisiana that we passed a few years ago and go look at whose name is the, is the author of that bill. So, mm-hmm. you know, those type things, you know, now does that make me infallible? Does that make me where I can be a hundred percent right? Absolutely not. Absolutely right. not. Um, we can all be wrong. Um, but when we start using words like betrayed and things like that, uh, I would certainly take exception to those type of, of characterizations. Understood. I appreciate right, uh, that. I just want to say thank you for coming uh, on air here and abolishing the day, giving us the exclusive opportunity to have your first discussion on this issue and helping to clear it up with our listeners so that they understand better uh, where the situation is. And also uh, between you and Curtis uh, coming together and going beyond these issues that we have for the betterment of the country and the state of Louisiana, because at the end of the day, we want to abolish slavery in Louisiana. And that's what we're here for. Um, and, and Max, I want I want to thank you, and I want you to know to both you and yourself and anybody else involved with your show that any time that I'm available and you want me to come on and speak, that's going to be uh, an invitation that I'm willing to accept. That is awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for need that. You, need you for next year to do exactly right. That. All right, so what we're going to do, um, uh, we're going to take a music break, and on the other side of that, uh, we're going to take some calls because there's a lot of people that want to say some good things about what we have just achieved. And I see your hands up. Uh, keep your hands up. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, uh, with Yusuf Hassan, back Edmund Jordan. We're going to go ahead and listen to the Trevor Noah and Roy Woods Jr. clip because it was freaking hilarious. And, of course, it's going to be followed by Shirley Caesar's Satan. We're going to tear your kingdom down because that's what we told you back in New Year's Day of January. Uh, right. Yeah, January. And we have lived up to that so far. We might not tear it down just yet, but we damn sure broke some windows. We'll be Broke right a lot of there. windows and doors. <laughs> Abolition. 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 A big ballot measure in several states involved slavery. And I'm not talking about teaching slavery. I'm talking about actual slavery. 
Five states were voting on constitutional amendments to ban slavery, and not all of them passed those bans. In all, five states were voting on removing slavery from their constitutions. Vermont, Alabama, Tennessee all voted to ban slavery as punishment for a crime. Louisiana, a former slave state, rejected that amendment. All right, America, four out of five states said no to slavery in the year 2022. That's what I'm talking about. That's amazing. Now we just need to invent electricity, and we're living in the future, baby. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, have you heard? Louisiana, unlike those other woke states, <laughs> voted against ending slavery. Yeah, and for more on that, we go live now to Roy Wood Jr., everybody. Yeah. And Roy. Hello. What's going on, Africa? Roy, the reason we're coming to you is because you are in Louisiana no, right now. No, no, and no, no, I would no. love to know. No, 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 no. I'm not in Louisiana. I'm on the Mississippi side of the border. And that's as far as I'm going. But I'm definitely not going in. I ain't going in that You can't tell me a place just voted yes on slavery, then ask me to go there. I'm too old, too tired. I don't seem good. I can't be a slave. All right, this is bad. This is bad, yes. But, but it doesn't apply to you. This is about forcing prisoners to perform labor for free. Oh, is that right? I didn't realize that. My bad, man. You, you right. You, you know what, man? Let me just mosey on into Louisiana. Boom! Next thing you know, I walk around and then they got me for jaywalking. Now I'm 12 years a slave and I got to wait for Brad Pitt to come and save my ass. No, thank you. I'm safer here in Mississippi, which is something no black man has ever said. All right. All right. Mississippi is better. Fair enough, boy. Well, at least, at least your home state of Alabama voted last night to ban slavery and won the vote by 75%. Huh? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but, but, that means 25% voted to keep slavery. That's a lot of people. Now, every time I'm at the grocery store, I'm looking around trying to guess who voted to enslave my ass. I bet Miss Patterson was the one. She always saying shit to me like, oh, baby, you grew up so strong. Get your hands off me. Squeezing my muscles, sizing me up. Trevor, this is terrible for black people. Well, technically, Roy, under these laws, it's not just black people. Everyone, even white people, could be enslaved. You bullshitting. Well, why didn't they just leave with that? They gonna make white people slaves now? That's the most progressive thing I ever heard. That's no, no, Roy. I think you misunderstand. They're not going to make white people slaves. I know you can't make them. I hear you got to catch them on your own. And you know what? You know what? I think I might head to Louisiana. Going to get me a white slave, man. I'll see you later, brother. This is going to be nice. Freeze. You're under arrest for daywalking. No, 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 no. No, down home. They're trying to get me trapped. Help me, Brad. Oh, shit. Good luck with that, Roy. Roy with Junior, everybody. We're gonna set your kingdom down. Yes, we are. Satan, 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 Satan,
down. I got one more verse to listen. But the deacons are going to pray your kingdom down. Glory be to God. Abolition. Abolition. You just heard Trevor Noah and Roy Woods Jr. from The Daily Show. And that was followed up by Reverend Dr. Shirley Caesar. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. I'm going to dedicate that one to my mother who's been listening in, texting me all throughout the show. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's go to... Uh, Let's uh, bring Representative in Jordan. Oh, yeah. So let's, bring, let's bring in the yeah, callers. We promised yeah, let's bring in callers, uh, so They've had their hands up for a long yeah. time. So, 4953, welcome to Abolition Today. You're on the air with us. You know, I didn't vote for that uh, proposition because I know it's already taken care of in the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And you know the way that. Is gotten around. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, because you made a you made a statement there, and I want you to clarify what you mean when you say it's already been taken care of in the U.S. Constitution. Well, it says that. What's your understanding? Commission, except for the commission of a crime, and when you commit a crime, you're committing a crime against the entire state, and if it's a federal regulated crime, it's a well, then the stipulations on federal law apply. Like murder, for instance. But uh, I can tell you something that would be better. Being that Louisiana is a country, quote-unquote state, is that uh, now me, I have joined on with the Convention of States in order to reel in the powers that the federal government has. Let me give you a good example. And you being a representative, if, if you don't mind, just try to keep it brief, though, because we do have other. Now it's gonna get. So. It ain't gonna be long. I'm not gonna do a All sermon. Right. <laughs> okay. Louisiana, <laughs> Louisiana should, in other states, should tell the federal government to get out of their business, whereas they can explore and extract its own natural resources without having to be under the guidelines of the federal government. They have no right owning land nor telling states how to run their land because you're losing jobs and you're losing the ability to control your natural resources that can benefit your people in the state. I like Louisiana, and uh, I, I, I came to this state because it's a red state. It's got good, you know, like, for instance, uh, the Second Amendment, and I think that there should be some other things done, but uh, – it's, uh, it's really pleasing to see that you worked hard for what you tried to get passed, but, uh, you know, you just got to try again and see what the people say. But like I said before, that issue is claimed is already covered by the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, thank you, caller. I uh, appreciate you calling in. Um, we'll try to uh, – well, I'll try to answer some of that, uh, and then we'll go to our next caller. 
Uh, the 13th Amendment is clear, as you said, uh, that it allows for slavery and involuntary servitude, which is its uh, prison labor counterpart of slavery, uh, as a punishment for a crime. But to think that everybody who is in jail and prison, pre-trial jail, where 12 million people go in and out of those jails every year, are actually guilty of a horrible crime is crazy talk. Uh, about 80% of our uh, court cases now are either nonviolent crimes or misdemeanors. It's only like 20% are that are big crimes. And of those, there's nearly 200,000 people who are known wrongfully convicted. So we cannot assume from the jump that the U.S. justice system is infallible because the history shows the exact opposite, that we will use every ways of means to hunt capture, incarcerate people based on race and class, and exploit them. That is the history of this country, and it has not changed. So thank you. I appreciate for your call and your opinion. All right, let's go ahead to our next caller. That would be 7-9. You're live on air with Abolition Today. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yes, it's Theta from Tennessee. Hey, Theta Oh, I thought that was Theta. I wasn't really yeah. certain, but I thought that was <laughs> Theta. Theta Murphy is one of the lead organizers from uh, Tennessee, uh, uh, No Exceptions Prison Collective, and uh, she is uh, one of the people responsible for 80% vote yes. We're going to get rid of this. Welcome to Abolition Today again, Theta Murphy. Yeah, that was a wonderful night. That was a wonderful night. Yes. Um, <laughs> The conversation was really, really interesting, and we will definitely be in support of whatever Louisiana does going forward because it needs to be on the ballot whenever the next time is with no delay. So all of us will be holding the representative accountable to keep his promise and to keep his word. We're all watching. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want Theta looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I met her in person, in person man. Uh, Theta looks like she might get in deep on you, boy. <laughs> you ain't playing, man. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that I mean, that if we can do it week. here in Tennessee, there's no there's no reason why they can't do it. Right. In Birthplace right. of the KKK has abolished right. slavery. The air smells different down there now. <laughs> smells right. like freedom. <laughs> yes, it, it certainly does. And I know your whole team was excited and celebrating and it exceeded your expectations, I suspect. It did. It did. Um, we were all tired. But, yes, we got very excited about about what that means for um the people who 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 are under it, who who are legally considered slaves, uh, both those that are behind the walls now, and those who who have been um, who have served their time and are living in the community. The reason it passed was because of the work of the people who 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 are slaves, who are legally considered slaves. The way they went out and 
and made phone calls and organized events and did public speaking. And for many of them, it was the first time they had ever done anything like that. So we discovered some real leaders and started developing some real leaders uh, among people who who were directly affected by this. So we, you know, we're going to take that energy and, um, you know, take take whatever the next steps that we need to take um, and solidify these gains. Amen. Um, yes, yeah. that's that's the plan to move forward and to solidify these gains, to uh, work towards a final freedom where nobody is treated like a slave and subject to crimes against humanity and constitutional violations. And you're able to vote. I remember when I was there with you, Dawn mentioned about how many people can't vote in Tennessee. And apparently had, you had the most people who can't vote. What is that, 300,000 or something like that? Half a million. Half a million people. That is a lot of people. One in five. One in five people cannot are are disenfranchised in the state of Tennessee. Is that broken down by race, too? This is not a symbolic win. Right. It's not a symbolic. People are being affected by it, and it makes a real difference. Yes, it is certainly not symbolic. And to those that say it is just symbolic, I say don't know how to think ahead critically. Like, <laughs> what could possibly come from turning something that is legal, slavery and involuntary servitude, and then making it illegal in the supreme law of the land? Of what possible changes could come from that? All you got to do is think a minute, you know? Right. And if you expect right. overnight changes, then you might as well go out with a gun and start the revolution because this ain't that party. You're not going to see <laughs> overnight changes. Uh, we, this is going to take time. There's got a lot of court cases that we got to go through. There has to be precedent. Mm-hmm. And all of these things have to occur. And in some instances, people are going to have to be prosecuted for uh, Mm -hmm. violating the new law of the land. So the prison guard who says to the inmate, if you don't go to work 30 days in a hole, just broke the law. Right. 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 So, yeah, the atmosphere, like you said, air smells different. The atmosphere is different. And, um, you know, we're going to have to go out there and, and and take down the established wall of of precedent brick by brick. Brick yes, by sir. brick. Mm. So just, that's right. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you have a question or comment and you want to get involved in the conversation, remember to press one if you've already dialed in. If you haven't dialed in, it's five one five six oh five ninety one four. We don't have a lot of time left in our season finale, and there's at least one or two more tracks I want to play, one probably, uh, before the evening is over, so remember to press one. All right. Um, we're going to bring in one more here. Uh, 8930, you're live on with Abolition Today here that's, with Sipasad and Max Barthes. That's Hi. Corinne. Oh, look at that. It's yeah, Corinne, you're on. You're on. Oh, it's Corinne. Yeah, yeah Hi, I could hear you. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say um, Vermont is a slave-free state, and we are very excited. <laughs> we don't understand what's right. going on with Ben and Jerry's, um, but we are definitely on that. So I just wanted to share that, and we're very excited, and I'm I'm glad that we made the finish line. And Louisiana, let your heart not be weary. You are on our hearts, on our prayers, and definitely 
gonna get a bet. That's all I gotta Absolutely. say. Thank you, Corinne. Uh, Corinne Thank is you. out of Vermont, one of the organizers there that helped to make this happen. And I know you were happy with your results. The grandfather of the exception clauses who had it in their constitution for 245 years, the one that started it all, no longer has any of that. Now it's slavery is abolished without exception. So congratulations to you, Corinne. How fat? No, to the state of Vermont. It's about the same. So thank you guys for thinking of Vermont. Awesome, awesome. Um, it's coming up on the 8.30 or on my in East Coast time, and I want to get one more track mm-hmm. in, but before I do that, I want to give anybody an opportunity to say anything that they want. So we're going to do a quick down the list. Uh, let's start with uh, Brother Curtis. I see he's still on the line. Would you like to add anything to the conversation before we go to our next musical clip? No, Max, I always like to listen to the beautiful music that you play. You inspire me, man. Get to the music or... <laughs> do you think? <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. You know, if you ain't got no music, you ain't got no movement. Uh, Representative, That's right. I don't know if you're wasting your phone, but I see you still dialed in, maybe just listening. Is there anything you would like to say? I, no, I'm, I'm with Curtis. If you if you need me to comment on something, I'm here. But no, I'm I'm just listening in. All right, I, I appreciate that. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go back again to Theta Murphy. Theta Murphy, anything else? No, um, just looking forward to continuing to work with all of y'all. Yes, ma'am. You're going to be a mentor uh, for the states that are coming up now. That's right. Uh, they're looking That's forward right. to working with you. Uh, you know, they, they want to work with the winners, man. <laughs> all right, and Corinne? All I got to say is Louisiana will rue the day when Corinne receives a jurist doctorate and goes there and freezes people under the law. So, Curtis, <laughs> don't you worry. We are working with you. And um, I see you guys are just doing great things. So bless y'all. Thank you so much. Oh, I see we have entertainment, or was that, that Curtis was just, coming off? That was yeah. That's just Curtis coming back. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, awesome. So let's go ahead and play one more musical clip, uh, and then we're going to get into the conclusion of our season premiere, and then finish off with a powerful bridging the gap. Uh, what I want to play for yeah. you now is. A couple of clips from uh, Representative Seaball and Marino when they had their testimony in 2021, and they were offering their concerns, and that's going to be followed by Free from Kenny R. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Thank you, Representative Marino. Thank you. <clears throat> I've, um, <clears throat> I've actually would really like to hear from the Department of Corrections on what they think the impact of, of that would be. Because um, I had not even thought about that, what, what that means about whether or not that, that means you can sentence people to hard labor if we remove it. I mean, I, I just I would really like to hear what their reaction to that is or what their opinion of that is. Um, I would too. Right. Um, because I'm not, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think I have to say that, you know, I'm interested in prison reform and jail and you know because I think it's necessary but um, that that's the point that I, I wish I'd heard or then had the opportunity to call or speak to him before right now it, the, the question the problem that I have when I actually read this is I think this might be one of the most dangerous bills we've seen this session simply because felony convictions are the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony is with fel, a misdemeanor is without hard labor 
felony conviction is with or without hard labor. I'm afraid this might open the door to a legal challenge of every felony conviction in the state of Louisiana. And that's just not a can of worms that I'm wanting to well, open right now. Well, I've actually run this by some criminal justice people and uh, uh, some staff members, and they actually agree that that it may not be a slam dunk argument, but it would certainly open the door to bringing challenges to, to, to literally every felony conviction in the state of Louisiana. And I, I get what you're trying to do, but I don't necessarily think this is the can of worms that we need to be opening right now. Settled the score 
good to be free. Welcome back to Abolition Today, <laughs> abolitiontoday.org. Oh, man, man, how yes. appropriate was that song right there? Woke up this morning, looked in the mirror, and all I saw was victory, because that's where we at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we collectively have won this year. Uh, we came out superheroes. We did the impossible. They said we couldn't do it. Now it's done. They said we wouldn't win. Now we won. What's next? And that's a lot. And, you know, that's not the end of the victories that occurred this year. We also elected multiple slavery abolitionists to positions of high political and justice power. For instance, that's right. Representative or former state senator Sidney Kamlager just won her bid for the U.S. Congress. So now we have a slavery abolitionist in the U.S. Congress. Also, uh, former state senator Cecil Thomas has won his bid for the Ohio House of Representatives. Congratulations to both of them. Another right. slavery abolitionist. Right. He's he's uh, going to sponsor our bill in Ohio. Uh, matter of fact, he just put it through the late duck session just to give it some more oomph, uh, you know. So congratulations right. to them, too. And then also Aaron Ford, the uh, district attorney office. He, he just won the district attorney's office in Nevada. And, you know, they have their amendment out there. I believe it's Amendment 10, which is going on the ballot in 2023. And he is a big proponent of it. Uh, so congratulations to Aaron Ford on your uh Winning your bid to uh, attorney position in Nevada. That is awesome. You said. What more can be said to that? <laughs> you know, that's just <laughs> huge. I mean, those are huge wins because now we have people in the room to argue for us. That they right. can carry and this to the next level. And we're not just talking about people who are sympathetic or anti-slavery. We're talking about slavery abolitionists who have stood up right. and spoke up and submitted bills and championed these causes. So they're willing to go that extra mile and say, this is who I am. This is a part of what I understand and believe, and I'm bringing it to the table with me, and I could be prouder of them for doing that. Because there was a time when we couldn't do that. We knew what was going on, but we saw what they did to Kanye West when he said the 13th Amendment was a trapdoor to slavery, he was the first person in history since Frederick Douglass to sit across from a mm -hmm. sitting U.S. president and talk about how slavery was legal and needed to be abolished. I was, like, blown away by that. But, you know, even the broken clock is twice, right, twice a day, and he was <laughs> certainly right on that one in a big way. But nonetheless, he was beaten down for it, ridiculed for it. The media started talking like they knew everything. They would literally put up the 13th Amendment on the screen, read it, and then act like they didn't just read except for prisoners duly convicted. <laughs> you know? It was mind-blowing. Right. But the truth goes through three stages that I've heard of. Uh, first, it's ridiculed. Then it's opposed mm -hmm. violently. And then third, it's accepted as common knowledge. So we're going towards that accepted as common knowledge part right now. I see... Uh, Brother Curtis threw his hand back up there, so let's go ahead and bring him back in. Uh, Curtis? Oh, uh, brother, I didn't mean to put my hand up. I was just enjoying. Oh, you just waving, to, huh? Uh, <laughs> what was going on? You know, that was like a thumbs up, like, yeah, cheering, uh, cheering you guys on. But um, I'm 
thanking you again, Max, for putting this together tonight. I don't know, without the mediation between um, you, me, and um, Representative Jordan, that we could be able to be um, so level-headed about what we need to do in order to do what's best for the people of Louisiana. And, um, yeah, that, that's just all that I have to say right now. I appreciate you, for doing your thing. So I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the show from here. Thank you, brother. All right, thank you, brother. Uh, last call about, for a hand. Last yeah, call. Last call for alcohol if you want to be a part of this season three finale. Um, this is your last call for alcohol. So throw your hand up by pressing one or dial in 515-605-9814. Uh, I see we got one more here. And I believe that it's right, Sean. Sean. Uh, we got a couple yeah. here. Savannah's right behind. Hey, guys. So let's go ahead and start with Sean. Hey, what's I know up, there's only a lot of time left. Hey, Yusuf. Hey, Max, how are you doing? I just want to say a quick thank you for all the hard work that you guys have done with educating this whole country and, you know, um, being mentors for all of us. So I just want to say a quick thank you. And to that, I can already see 2023 is going to be a phenomenal year. So they're excited about that. And I just want to say thank you for, you know, educating me and, and everyone else in the movement. So appreciate it. Ubuntu, brother. Uh, Thank you for all your support too, Sean. Major moves behind the scenes that you make. For those that don't know, Sean Darling is our representative out of Maine working on uh, getting Maine uh, to follow the history that they've always had of being an abolitionist state and abolishing slavery. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in our next caller. I believe that is the lead organizer for the Abolished Slavery National Network, uh, Sister Savannah Eldridge. Am I wrong? Hey, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Hey, hey Max, you know, you know my number as much as I call you. I know. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I, I had to just hop on and say again, like, thank you guys so much. I know this is a season finale, but, like, this probably couldn't have been, like, a better time and a place to have this conversation. And, like, as Sean said, I'm so thankful to y'all for the education, like, for using your platform to forward this work. And just both you and Yusuf just always being there for ASNN as organization and, and the organizers on Abolition Today and outside of Abolition Today. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you to all the organizers across the nation who are ramped up and ready to go for 2023. I'm excited mm-hmm. about the work that's been done. I'm excited about the work to come. And uh, let's go for it. You know, we, we're we're bigger. We are better. We are stronger. And I just can't wait to see what next year is going to look like. Man, me too. And wow. thank you, Savannah, for your leadership in uh, this push to get us where we That's are right. today. Uh, it wouldn't have happened without you and all the others that have worked behind the scenes or in front of them, like Kamal Allen and Nathan and Melina. Nathan. And, and, and just so yeah, many. Melina. You know, Dennis Febo and Jamelia right. Jamil Lane and Samuel Brown. Brown. Yeah, and New Bay Brown. And, and then the list goes on and on. There were so many warriors out there who believed in the cause and gave it their all, and it's the reason we're here today. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of all of you. And I'm looking forward to next year, where already we have over 20 states that are ready to go. And when I say ready to go, I mean six of them have legislation right. already being submitted yep. on the table, ready to go. 
And then we got another 14 to 18 after that, and we're constantly getting in more uh, requests. Uh, You know what I have to say to that, Max? I got something to say to that. It's just this. for that timeless yeah. classic. Probably when they made that back then, they had no idea that that's probably going to be our 2023 motto right there. That's our theme music. Ain't <laughs> no stopping us now. Uh, yeah, it definitely is fitting for what's happening here. Uh, we should all be very proud of ourselves. America, uh, you voted in five states to abolish slavery. You badasses, you. What, what do we call this? <laughs> Some... Uh, Official badassery or something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, but it's going to be hard to forget that over two million people voted to keep slavery. We're not going to forget that. We we realize there are people out there who don't want us to do this, uh, but there are so many more who do. And with all of you together, we're going to get it done. I want to make an appeal right now on uh, the end of this program. If you're listening to this program, we need fiscal help at the Abolish Slavery National Network. So go to abolishslavery.us and make a pledge that you'll make a donation once a month, whatever it may be, $5, $10, $50, gajillion, whatever it is you're able right. to, to put in, we need it. Uh, we have been struggling, and uh, but we got this far. But next year, we need a lot more resources because we're doing five times, four or five times as many states. So. Uh, go and support this cause uh, right now, <laughs> you know, as best as you can. Uh, with that being said, Yusuf, I want to thank you, man. Three years, three seasons. Yeah, We brother. have two guys wow. to take names, brother. So I appreciate We have really you done dearly. it. Yes. Now, I uh, really appreciate last, you, brother. I'll leave the last few minutes <laughs> for you before we get into our final segment, which is our Bridging the Gap. And uh, our Bridging the Gap is powerful tonight. It's metaphorical. Keep that in mind. We're not talking about literal. We're talking metaphorical when you hear it. Yusuf? That's right. You know what, Nube, I can bring you in, Sister Nube, 15 seconds. That's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I'm giving a 30. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give a 30. I'm give you 30 seconds. Thing. I'm doubling it. <laughs> Listen, you don't even need, I don't even need that much because all of y'all have said it so beautifully there is just so much love here all we can um, you know thank you for everybody just shouting out everybody um, loving up on each other this is what it is about can't stop won't stop we will see you next year in 2023 and California god damn it is going to be on that ballot <laughs> yeah, amen to that. I'm talking about Sister New Bay Brown, <laughs> amen to uh, that editor for the San Francisco <laughs> Bayview newspaper one of the oldest is it the oldest or one of the oldest black newspapers. I think it's one of the oldest. Yeah. One of the oldest black yeah. newspapers in America. All right. Uh, Yusuf? Yeah. Hey, love y'all. You know, love you, thank Nube. you. Love you too, Sister Nube. It's, it's been an incredible journey, and we definitely wouldn't have made it without our sponsors and our partners. 
Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, SEMA Urge, that's the Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash abolition today. And go to our Facebook page, Abolition Today. You'll find all the news, information, and music you're hearing on the program. We're also available on all major podcast platforms. Remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us. You can text in the exception to 52886 and follow the prompts. Uh, tonight's Bridging the Gap, we have Ozzy Davis reading Frederick Douglass's the inevitable, the inevitable War Begins. And that's going to be followed by War, by Nas, featuring Ray. So we won't be back live until Sunday, January 1st, 2023, with the season four premiere, God willing. In the meantime, be sure to tune in every Sunday until then, because we'll be playing various episodes from this season. And who knows, you may even get to catch uh, some special uh, music New Year's Eve if Max does it again this year. Uh, also, you have a chance to catch up on all of our previous episodes. We're finishing season three. So that's a lot of episodes, you know, close to about 175 episodes I think we've done. Big number, so you can catch up on them at abolitiontoday.org or any of the major podcast platforms. So, Max, I love you, brother. It's been a tremendous season again uh, all of our supporters, the constant supporters, whether they call in, whether they just listen, you know, we are because you you support us. So I'm just grateful for you are, and I can't wait until we kick this thing off next year. Congratulations to Vermont, Oregon, Tennessee, and Alabama. Congratulations to Representative Jordan and uh, Curtis Davis for being able to sit down and have a tough conversation. And I believe that if Curtis says that Representative Jordan is an honorable man and he believes him, then I'm going to believe him too. And we're going to bring this back to the table in Louisiana next year. So we're signing off now just for a few weeks so we can regroup and let's get ready to kick some behind next year too. Love you, Ma. Thank you for supporting us all season. Uh, Max, love you, brother. All right. Until next year, think about abolition. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Abolition. 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 Then came the question, what will the South do about it? Will she eat her bold words and submit to the verdict of the people or proceed to secede from the Union? The inquiry was an anxious one and the blood of the North stood still, waiting for the response. It had not long to wait. The response of the slaveholders to the glorious assertion of freedom and independence on the part of the North in the triumphant election of Abraham Lincoln was the dismemberment of the Republic and the establishment of the Confederate States, a government based upon human slavery. As a result of the shameful and shocking course followed by President Buchanan, one after another, the southern states were allowed to secede. Even men who had heretofore resisted the slave power bent before the southern storm and were ready to purchase peace at any price, especially at the expense of the Negro slaves. Everything that could be demanded 
by insatiable pride and selfishness on the part of the slaveholding South, or could be surrendered by abject fear and servility on the part of the North, had able and eloquent advocates. Happily for the cause of human freedom and for the final unity of the American nation, the South was mad and would listen to no concessions. They had made up their minds that they would secede from the Union. They had come to hate everything which had the prefix free. Free soil, free states, free territories, free schools, free speech, and freedom generally, and they would have no more such prefixes. And so the slaveholders plunged madly into the bloody vortex of rebellion and war. On April 12, 1861, the batteries of Charleston Harbor in South Carolina were opened upon the starving garrison at Fort Sumter. In a moment, the northern lamb was transformed into a lion. Gone were the months of appeasement when politicians and businessmen had vied with each other to purchase peace and prosperity for the north by granting the most demoralizing concessions to the slave power. The cannons booming over Charleston compelled everyone to elect between patriotic fidelity and pro-slavery and treason. As the North took to arms, I wrote in my paper, we say out of a full heart and on behalf of our enslaved and bleeding brothers, thank God. From the first, I, for one, saw in this war the end of slavery. And truth requires me to say that my interest in the success of the North was largely due to this belief. True it is that this faith was many times shaken by passing events, but never destroyed. When Secretary Seward instructed our ministers to say to the governments to which they were accredited that, terminate however it might, the status of no class of the people of the United States would be changed by the rebellion, that the slaves would be slaves still, that the masters still. When General McClellan and General Butler warned the slaves in advance that if any attempt was made by them to gain their freedom, it would be suppressed with an iron hand. When the government persistently refused to employ colored troops, I still believed, and spoke as I believed, all over the North, that the mission of the war was the liberation of the slave, as well as the salvation of the Union. And hence, from the first, I reproached the North that they fought the rebels with only one hand when they might strike effectively with two, that they fought with their soft white hand while they kept their black iron hand chained and helpless behind them, that they fought the effect while they protected the cause, and that the Union cause would never prosper till the war assumed an anti-slavery attitude and the Negro was enlisted on the loyal side. In every way possible, in the columns of my paper and on the platform, by letters to friends at home and abroad, I did all that I could do to impress this conviction upon the country. Many and grievous disasters on the field of battle were needed to educate the loyal nation and President Lincoln up to the realization of the necessity, not to say the justice, of the position that the war could only be won by freeing the slave and arming the freedmen. Concrete bricks bulletproof us out of these walls that are built to defend and protect this bold heart. This bold heart. 
to my home, not few big army with a weapon on your arm. Yes, you struck straight with your cold heart. Your cold heart. I'm like Nat. I'm like Nat. I'm a man of God, but where is Christ at? And even though my name is Nas, I am like Nat. Is this me declaring war, white flags? I now know why I was even born, to strike back. A full moon up in the sky, that's a sign that It's time to get my liberation, a perfect configuration It's the birth of a nation, midwife, black Mother, father, Caucasian, my blood, Indian, native So now I'm contemplating being like Nat About to show you what I'm made of, I'm what race is all afraid of No mule in the 40 acres, and despite that Watch out for the traitors, and when they say make America great again Do they mean make us all slaves again, don't sidetrack Victim no more, depicted as a criminal, especially when you're poor. Why doesn't the government order capital punishment to officers who racial profiling for slugs in us? Makes me think they want us to sink on the brink of insanity. We screaming for justice, they send tanks. The man in me demanding we protect the family anarchy. Ku Klux Klan and him demanding he damaged me. So my fantasy is every single one of us come against the evil divided people with common sense. The theory, I hope the whole world hearing no justice. So I became a revolutionary. No matter if you're red, white, black, if you want freedom, then we're all like men. Turner and every one of us. No matter if you're red, white, black, if you want freedom, then we're all like Nat. It's time. Let the spirit of Nat Turner live forever. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.